0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Uh, Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe Podcast family. That's why on your favorite podcast platform it reads Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. And it looks like I'm going to have to keep saying that weird-ass name that I didn't intend because (laughs) after years of not getting any money i got 10 bucks in my paypal for uh my enge- one of my engineers said like hey are you putting a mid-roll break in your podcast i'm like no one told me to do that thank you and then i started <laughs> doing that like four months ago 10 do- 10 10 big ones so congratulations
2: man that's huge <laughs> <laughs> that, that is that is huge really what are you weird. gonna do with all of it um sandwich yeah that makes sense and then yeah.
1: and what are you gonna do with the two dollars left over oh no i'm gonna buy a ten dollar sandwich oh the hell yeah dude that's a dream
2: yeah disposable sandwich income
1: <laughs> no i just i just i love spending myself it with champagne taste into the coffers you know <laughs> Uh, all right, that the sound of that voice is the sound of our wonderful guest this week, a New York City comedy staple and creator of Apartment Fest. Please give it up for Aton Levine, everybody.
2: Hey, you said it right. No one says the name correctly. You, you don't want to know whatever.
1: why, Aton? You Google it? No, because I worked for an Aton.
2: Oh, who? Which one?
1: Oh boy! I he doesn't listen to this. Uh, he's very litigious, but an Aton Siegel heir to the Seagull, Fred Siegel
2: like family. Whoa! Like the clothing store, the Fred yeah, Siegel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's agent representation. I didn't know we that we had. Right, right, right. There's, there's two Atons that I know, and it's it's Aton Pates who was uh-huh. the first milk carting kid, right? And then Aton Kurland who is another comic milk carton like actually on the milk carton or the okay no the first one the first okay. the first one they never found his body but oh, uh, you know right. i'm here so yeah.
1: <laughs> well you're carrying the weight of uh atons cuz the aton i worked for
2: um was a big dickhead oh yeah well yeah. we don't uh, let me just say the aton union does not endorse uh <laughs> that
1: guy sure thank-, <laughs> thank you thank you uh is new york city dry it's uh it's oh, yeah,
2: yeah. Oh yeah, it, it fucking poured a couple yeah. days ago and uh I had a show get cancelled. Oh possibly. really? <laughs> yeah, it poured so much on I think the Friday mm-hmm. uh or was Saturday. Oh no, Friday I was in Albany. But mm-hmm. I you know this is what it was. It poured so much that they canceled the indoor Ranger preseason game. That's how much it poured on Damn. on Friday. yeah Damn! Oh, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's did everyone shows I get was canceled? Uh, I know a bunch of shows did get canceled, especially because no one was going out. We Kathy uh, Hochul, our oh. governor, had a shelter in place kind of rule that was going on during it. So, right. uh, you know, big yeah. job, good, big ups to Albany.
1: Yeah, well, at least you actually had real rain. Like when we had our hurricane or whatever, which was a f- joke. uh... Apparently, some people felt the earthquake. I didn't, and I live on the third floor. I definitely feel earthquakes. And, like, we got (laughs) rain, but we got, like, I went outside. There was no wind. There was, like, absolutely no wind.
2: It's a lie. Anytime it says it's going to snow in New York, I'm like, that's bullshit. You (laughs) were just trying to not go into work that day. That is all that you (laughs) were doing.
1: (laughs) Oh, wait, has climate change made you guys not have
2: uh, White Christmas anymore? Oh, yeah, we do. It does not snow any. And it actually doesn't snow in a way where I think that more people need to acknowledge how little it is snowing. Like, I feel like right. uh, it is a very big sign of uh, global warming that we haven't had snow in any legitimate capacity in like two or three years. Yeah, that's really It disturbing. used to be. I mean, are you, are you from L.A.? Are you from that area? I mean, I'm an army brat, man. So I
1: lived all over the okay. country. Yeah. So L.A., Kuwait. Kuwait, uh, okay, sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. No, uh, <laughs> cool. Colorado, Virginia, Texas, Ohio, Kentucky, Washington, born in the Whoa. Philippines, and California.
2: You're like Taylor Swift <laughs> on tour. All the major. Colorado's got snow. New York it just has not had snow for the past couple of years. It's yeah. it's straight up because of global warming. It, in a, we have not had snow in a way where I feel nervous about it. and I'm, I wonder why more people don't feel nervous about it. Right.
1: Well, I, that's, I think, just a testament to the New York City mindset of just like everything is awful all the time. Deal with that. Yeah.
2: I yeah, honestly like global warming. If it was to fully happen to us, it would be the third thing I worry about. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys are still working on rats. Yeah, rats and rent. And then I'll consider taking the mental space to think about what would happen if a big fucking wave hit here. <laughs> if a big wave, if a Here's the thing about New York if a global warming like caused mega wave hit New York the mm-hmm. only thing people would care about is how much it fucks up the 2 train. Yeah. That is it. right. Yeah. There that's- could be blood in the streets it could if Russia was to invade people be like that's fine but what about the SB60 crosstown okay I'm not walking the fucking park. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Oh, I don't know another city that's so like self-centered if that makes
2: any sense oh totally we gotta be though it's too it, it's too hard here not to worry about yourself in like some capacity right. i forgot this, i didn't make this up i didn't make this joke but someone has a joke about how like uh new york is the only city where the people cause the traffic and
0: <laughs> you know, that is
2: like a very you know good answer to like what it's like living here that sounds like a colin quinn joke oh it was a uh, some twitter comic but uh-huh. it's I love Colin Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like Colin has a bleaker once.
1: Oh, nice. I feel like he has some of the the best meditations on New York City because he's lived there for
2: so long. Oh, yeah. I mean, my grand I'm from the area. My grandmother, you know, born, it came over here after the Holocaust Mm -hmm. and moved immediately to the Bronx and then, like, grew up. And then, and then after the Bronx, uh, was in Queens until she died. So I totally, I've been exposed to that uh, level right. of like curmudgeon, right. you know, New Yorker.
1: All right. So you're in New York City, born and raised.
2: Uh, so I grew up, I born in the Bronx, lived a year in Queens, grew up in Jersey until high school. Uh-huh. And then I went to um, Israel for a year and then I moved uh, here for college. And then I've been here ever since. Damn. But my I mean, dad that- also worked in New York. My parents, my grandparents were in New York. So I was kind of like in and out of the city frequently. That counts. I mean,
1: like, so how is that in in just life and in comedy? Because I feel like that's so rare, especially like L.A. and New York. People just move yeah. from their little pond to become a little fish in a big ocean.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I, it's, it's interesting where, like, I think that if I had to pick, if I had to redo it, mm-hmm. I would have gone to college elsewhere and then moved here. Because everybody had the major New York exposure, like, you know, like as much as like I was living in Jersey, um, the Jewish community in Jersey, like you're spending half your time and talking in New York. My dad worked in New York. You know, it's like a weird different existence when you're like in an Orthodox community. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wasn't like facidic, you know, like we had TV, you know, we were all Met fans. We were Jewish Met fans. That's the level of of Judaism where we didn't touch electricity on Fridays, but then we also were Met fans. You know, that's the level (laughs) that we were. Uh, so there is like an, an inherent like uh, pressure causes, you know, diamonds kind of effect of just like living in New York. Um, you know, so I, I do think that it, it did kind of like push my personality in a certain way. But I think that there is major benefit to starting your comedy career or getting the basis of your comedy career outside of New York, outside of L.A., you know, like somewhere else where most of America thinks like that state, like, you know, like the stuff I do in Brooklyn, it, and this is a cold take, like the stuff I do in Brooklyn doesn't work in Idaho. You know, it doesn't necessarily work in Cleveland, you know, so it really has different. Oh yeah, that's right. For some reason that two train joke just poorly. No, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, no, but like more than that, it's like, uh, you know, it's just, there's levels of comedy. Like I, I've, uh, in in New York, I, I frequently talk about like my grandmother's Holocaust story, or like, you know, like we buried her during COVID, you know, like what that was like. There's things that I think like there's more of an indie crowd, there's more of a we want to hear stand-up, but we also wanna hear more like storytelling within the stand-up in New York, if you're doing longer sets versus like outside of New York. Right. They kind of want to hear uh, more broad stuff, like the indie stuff works in, you know, in New York, and some of it doesn't work outside of it.
1: Right, I feel that my my folks they just um, they went on this big cruise vacation, and they were, they watched the comic who was playing the cruise because of course every cruise has to have a comedian. You gotta, yeah, and they- good. It's good money also if you can get it. It's it's good money, but I was I was as a sidebar, I was telling my mom like, well, you have to make a choice do you want to just do that and have financial stability or uh, do you want to like really try to make it? Cause if you're a cruise comic, people will forget about you.
2: Yeah. Also I, it's interesting where you have to, I, I was talking to a friend of mine that does it and it's like, you got to have an hour of clean yeah. and then an hour of dirty and then an hour of like mixed is kind of like, you know, like dirty, like PG 13, basically. Right, right. So you really do have to like transform to build three specific hours like that takes a lot of time and effort and, like, you know, personality building. So I definitely see, like, it does take, like, a bit of an effort to get to there.
1: Right, but
2: my parents, they watched
1: this, this one comic on the cruise, and th- this is so... I feel like it's Midwestern, a Midwestern take, but it's so cold. Uh, They were like, you know, we just came to see jokes. I'm really tired of seeing, like, this message at the end. Like, the comic was like, we just got to love each other. He's like, I didn't want to hear that.
2: Uh, you need the edge still. That's the issue, is that you need to figure out how to do G rated material with an edge, which is like rough.
1: Yeah, that is rough. Like, material, like, yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go. You go. Oh, I was going to say that uh, this is, I feel like the word twerp needs to be used more, and that is very G rated
2: yeah it's like anytime i think if you're able to have like a story be changed uh you know just by the by using different like insults and like specific like curse words i think that's like the way to find it you could just do the same three hours with different curse words (laughs) yeah or non-swear words (laughs) that's really the goal right 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 uh well listen it seems like you get to you get to travel everywhere you get to go to you know turks and caicos seems Mm -hmm. nice (laughs)
1: Yeah, but it's it, you You do run the risk of having it like the another day in paradise where like it can get annoying and tiring. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You've seen White Lotus, right? I would. Yeah. The issue is, is that right now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a situation where a few days of living in paradise and the hellish paradise isn't exactly too bad as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Sure. What
1: part of New York are you in?
2: I'm up in Harlem. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing, like you said, we're doing Apartment Fest. This is actually the apartment yeah. oh, uh, sweet. that we're Thank doing you. it in uh, right now. Yeah. Nice. Being, it's very, very yeah. nice.
1: Well, now, now that you mention it, why, why don't you tell tell the lovely listeners the genesis of Apartment Fest?
2: Yeah. So uh, Apartment Fest is a, so this year it's a four-day comedy festival that I'm throwing in my apartment uh, we got a bunch of headliners like uh, Chloe Radcliffe, um, Matt Broussard, Ishmael Lutfi, uh, mm-hmm. myself, Seth Dagg, Sereni, Uh mm-hmm. you know, we have a bunch of people that are, that are uh, actual headliners are doing the show, which is awesome. Really? This started in 2019, mm-hmm. um, where I got rejected from a comedy festival I never applied to. It was something <laughs> in Boston. They uh-huh. sent me an email. They're like, unfortunately, you didn't make it. I was like, all right. Question, though, I never uh, asked to be in this. You just emailed me and told me that I didn't make the cut to something that I wasn't trying to. But now I feel bad about that. And it kind of got me thinking about how not official the concept of a festival is. I was like... If I just put it on a show and say it's a festival, it's a it's a festival. It doesn't make any difference. Right, so right. I decided to make a joke one show in my old apartment when I was living on the Upper West Side. Right. The apartment I could fit fifteen ish people plus mm-hmm. like four or five comics in the living room and using my room as a green room and everything. Right. And I was like, oh, like I'll make. I made a logo. You know, it was like a joke. Like I made this as right. a joke. Like I have a. Right. I come from like. I started stand up, but uh, you know, I, I then went to like improv and sketch community right. and stuff like that in the city. So, like the idea of making bigger events, I always thought was something that I brought to the table versus the standard stand up. Mm-hmm. So I made it as a joke and make a logo and I put up a logo and a uh, submission form as right. a joke. Right. And 137 comedians apply <laughs> to a fest. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I'm stuck watching. 137 five-minute videos <laughs> out of nowhere. Absolute prison. It right. was a lot of it was good. A lot of it was like, you gotta be kidding me. And I will say also, I just put a pin in all of this. If I had to give any, if there's any positive or any like lesson to learn from this, if you are a comic who's applying to a festival and you didn't get them that festival, 50% chance it's just because they either didn't watch your video or got distracted while they were watching your video. Right. It was like if you're watching that many videos, you know, I, I'm, I'm the only one that was doing it at that point. So like, I'm maybe not a good archetype but I know this is how other festivals are for sure ran. <laughs> We're like, if I'm if I'm 75 videos in, and my roommate says, Hey, John, could you come in here for a second? And I go out there and it's to like have a a, a minute long conversation. When I get back, I didn't stop the video. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
2: I just, you know, and right. I don't think I know, I, I am a thousand percent positive that that is how other festivals get booked. Sure. So if there was one thing I learned from that, it was not take getting into festivals too seriously. Also, big deal 137 videos I watched. This year, I think we had 158 mm-hmm. videos I watched for this submission. Um, the submission. How you shoot your video mm-hmm. is a big deal. Yeah. I, you are lying to yourself at home. If you are submitting a video that is shot vertical, mm-hmm. that is not done in front of audience, that the audio is bad, that yeah. the jokes are, you have, I, I, you have 30 seconds. It's a five-minute video, but you have 30 seconds. And I say that with experience. You know, me, right. this year, I brought a couple. I brought Joe Briggs, I, I, Jay Agbon were both in the festival. Right. Um, Brittany Starna, who's uh filming the documentary about the festival. Adam right. Gold, who's a manager, you know, in New York. Right. We all watched the videos this time. So I took that burden off of myself to watch, right. you know, whatever. Right it's the same thing. You have 30 seconds. And if I can't understand the words, if the audio is bad or whatever, it's, it's not getting, you're not getting in, like straight up. So that's another thing. If I had to give advice out there to like everyone that's listening to this, like video has to be good. The audio has to be good. It has to be shot well. And you got to start immediately with a joke. So Mm -hmm. that's a good pin. I think like for everyone out there. Um, So we watched, you know, so, At the time, so I watched so I watched 137 comics. I decided to expand the festival uh, Mm -hmm. back in 2019 out to a weekend. So it ends up being five shows. Um, I think 50 comics performed, Mm -hmm. uh, 100 and something people attended. We got. Seven sponsors, which was hilarious. We got a New Belgium brewery sent over like 10 cases of beer. Hell yeah. And uh, Doe Scoopable Cookie Joe sent over a bunch. And uh, Sticky's Finger Joints sent over a bunch of stuff. So we turned it into like a little bit more of like a thing. And uh, yeah, and it went like super, super well. I almost got evicted, uh, which was, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I will say if you're at home and you live in an apartment building that's a big building uh, and you're not on good terms with your super, maybe uh, don't throw a festival in it. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, and the festival really will. You know, like, I I think the funniest part about the festival is that I, uh, the last show was a best of fest So we had a bunch of the best comics come and do like the last show and mm-hmm. two comics got managers out of that, which I thought was hilarious. So yeah. that was the first time. Yeah. i mean
1: keeping the tradition of things in comedy starting as a total joke and then becoming very real
2: yeah it's it's interesting we're like i think that you know i mentioned it that I came from like an improv i came from stand-up and then i pivoted to improv and sketch because i was mm-hmm. getting hired as a writer so i was writing and then i already had my performance mm-hmm. needs like taken care of by sketch and improv so mm-hmm those communities what they're very good at is making shows that are themed and shows that are like more than just a show because regular improv you know is hard to sell right. so I, I taking the festival and treating it as real as possible and improv and sketch you're taught to like treat the situation the the reality is real and I think that that has helped me you
1: know in general right right where as soon as you got those submissions and you're like, okay, this isn't a joke anymore yeah oh my
2: god this, uh, when it was 137 the first time that we did this it was the funniest thing i was i was furious right. absolutely furious with myself <laughs> yeah uh, I will,
1: yeah i will add a corollary to like uh your note about submissions and oh you might not be watching it or whatever um i also you the person watching it might be in a terrible mood You know, and their Mm -hmm. arms are crossed, like whatever's going on in their day. And like, (laughs) if your clip is not bulletproof and that is still subjective they're you're not getting it. Just
2: like that's just not, you know, it's just it's why people and like this is a broader point. But there's a and there's a million different manifestations of what you just said in the industry. It's why you got to take your own career into your own hands. Yeah. Because if you're relying on festivals, if you're relying on situations that you don't have control in, you could have the best video in the world. If the person's in a bad mood, if the person gets called away, the person gets distracted, the person gets a text message, yeah. they're a good video. They're not looking at your video. And that's JFL. Like, you know, like yeah. it, it just like it is what JFL is. I don't know if that's like how they do their thing, but like No, it's much it's, more political. A, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> You gotta have twenty thousand Instagram followers to get on Jay, and reps. I'm pretty sure you, the, twenty thousand yeah.
1: k twenty k ra- followers and reps. You
2: know, but it's also a thing where, like, it, you know, it, over the past couple of years, the concept of these festivals uh, being big gatekeepers flipped. Where now comics are the festivals need the comics now because the comics control the eyes at this point because of the concept of celebrity, which once again goes to the fact that you got to take your own career in your control. You shouldn't be like relying on festivals and stuff like this to kind of like take over. I say that as a person running a festival in my part, <laughs> you know? Uh, well, I mean, later, you did that though. But yeah. Yeah. I I did. I took it into my control and I think everyone out there should be like doing stuff like that. I I, I think like the, the festival happened. It was a great festival in 2019. Um, the next year I was planning on doing it. Unfortunately, the pandemic happened and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I joke that the first one was the super spreader event that started the rest of the, uh-huh. uh, you know, apocalypse that we just went through. Right. Um, but, you know, now that the, the 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 pandemic calmed down, you know, it felt like a good time to kind of like do this again. Right. And uh, what's good, what's interesting about the festival is that we're filming my special during different portions of the special and I'm sorry, different portions of the festival and the special was originally shot in central park during uh, a show. I was running in central park every Saturday uh, during the pandemic because all the clubs had shut down. So outdoor shows were happening. So the, the, I'm shooting my special as a continuation of what we were doing in central park. Right. Were you wearing shorts? I, don't wear shorts on stage. I got yeah. janked up legs. I think that shorts in general look mm. weird. I think that all comics, if you're wearing your guy comic, you cannot wear shorts on stage.
1: Yeah, I, I it is 1,000% a double standard. Like, women can totally do it. Uh let them.
2: Yeah,
1: they, we took so much shit away from them. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, and also I'll say this. Man legs look weird. It just yeah. is what it is. Either they're too good looking and they're distracting because you're like, wow, that is a man with beautiful legs. Or they have hair and it looks like a, a, an IED just
1: went off next to it. Right. I know we live in an age of body positivity, but I just I cannot abide shorts on stage for the- men. <laughs> Yeah,
2: I am positive that it weirds me out. Uh, Mm -hmm. That man legs weird me out. They should be in jeans, right? But
1: that's that's a a side uh, or a a lingering side effect of the pandemic that I don't like. That like so many outdoor shows did happen, so so many comics just showed up in shorts, (laughs) and I think they like
2: have not exactly returned to that. It was also what's interesting about the pandemic was that all of a sudden there were camera people at every show. Right. And I think people showed up hotter to the shows in the pandemic. Uh-huh. Also, people were having sex last for a couple of months. Yeah. And I think that also made people feel like the only, like it was like proof of life. Like anytime they would go to a show, it was like, I'm alive still, you know, so it did force people to like dress up a little bit. And, you know, I, so I hear what you're saying. Yeah, Absolutely. um
1: how how, for 2019 to now how would you describe how you've expanded or evolved the festival now that it's returning for its first time
2: yeah so um the big thing is that i moved into a bigger apartment um which was helpful i can fit about i can fit about 30 people in the living room now which is like great Mm -hmm. um you're not gonna get a festival i think i no, not this time. I thank God. I, I, I've worked it out. Uh, but the, the the space is bigger. Uh, there's more effort, I think, behind it. Last time, it was really like, I went into this thing. Um, it, it was not meant to be a festival. And then all of a sudden, it became a festival. And then it didn't get run as well as it should have been run. I know that I had roommates at the time. I don't think that they were treated correctly during that time. Right. Uh, like, in ways that I've apologized to and have admitted to. I think that I was, like, so trying to just get, make it happen, that occasionally it just, it was sloppy. Uh, It still went, it was still great, but like the back, the the handling of it, I think it could have been better. This year, because it's starting as a festival, is more it's just there's more effort there's more coordination you know mm-hmm. we're starting off with like a little bit of a w- with a head start you know we, I knew what I'm getting into this time versus last time I was like you know working for I was throwing the ball from my back foot the entire time right. so that's like a big thing also another big thing is that like over the past couple of years TikTok Instagram mm-hmm. you know in 2019 I was working as a full-time writer for a website mm-hmm. I was like doing while well. I was producing and stuff like that at that time, I didn't have a personal following. Now, since then, I've gained a personal following um, that is now, I'm able to leverage a little bit more in regards to marketing and just a bigger understanding of marketing um, in general is something I bring into this.
1: Is the following the, uh, I think we mentioned this off pod, the United Eitan
2: Coalition? The UAE. <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, – so on TikTok, I have this thing called Jewish or anti-Semitic where mm-hmm. I – it was, like, fairly viral over the past couple of years um, right. doing Jewish-themed manned-on-the-street interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I, uh, were, I were, I think, two weeks away from the one-week anniversary of uh, – I was at a uh, – a Yankees Houston Astros game. Mm-hmm. I'm a Met fan. I went to the game uh, to see the Mets and to see the Yankees get eliminated because they're about to get swept by the Astros at home. Mm-hmm. And then while I was walking out, I ran into Ted Cruz and uh, berated Ted Cruz. Um, at this Yankee game, and uh-huh. it ended up on uh, Kimmel and Colbert and Daily Show. Right. And uh, uh, some oh, fucking, oh, what was her name? Laura Ingraham talked about it, played the Laura Ingram? Ted Cruz. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm the number one comic of Laura Ingraham's show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I raised him. I was like, you racist piece of shit. Like, I was like, you remember when Trump called your wife ugly? You know? So, there, that was another bump.
1: Right. Not to mention, I always like to point this out when Ted Cruz is brought up, he's not even Texan. He's from Canada.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's like fucking Taylor Swift is more of a country person than yeah. he is a Texas person. And she's from Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> he he sucks all around, and his dad is the Zodiac killer. So, you know,
1: fuck him. <laughs> Maybe we never actually find the real Zodiac Killer so we could just keep perpetuating that conspiracy
2: theory. I don't need to hear another piece of evidence. I have already decided, okay? And what I've decided is is locked in stone. He did it.
1: Yeah. Although I will say I don't think Ted Cruz is smart enough to ever create a cipher like that.
2: No, not not at all. Also, uh, Ted Cruz, uh, his daughters hate him. Uh, Mm -hmm. His wife hates him. And if there's one thing I learned from, you know, I went viral doing that thing, uh, the Houston Chronicle wrote about it and Mm -hmm. they said in it, the one thing Republicans and Democrats in Texas agree on is that Ted Cruz is a big piece of shit. So (laughs) the Republicans don't even like him. Yeah. I, like to think that I was for for a couple of minutes in t- last year i unified the country in a hatred of 10 crews and that's beautiful
1: <laughs> right and yet that motherfucker's still in office he'll never die
2: yeah Given trump trump's gonna be 150 years old all your he, yeah he'll never die to, anyways
1: uh, it's almost like the secret to long life
2: is just seething spite you know yeah, it's why Fran Lebowitz will also never die. It's the same, <laughs> well...
1: <laughs> you
2: know? People can they change smoke
1: and as long as they just have, a, like, just contempt for humanity.
2: Yeah. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was on that court until she was 148 years old, okay? All she was there was just keep hatred of people who hate abortions. That was <laughs> what was fueling her for the last right. 80 years of her life.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I think we got to jump off, uh, here yeah. and then jump back on, but you told me, off- I wanted to hear the answer to this, that you yeah. had to break up with somebody over zoom and then you had to send her a link in the middle.
2: Yeah, yeah I was breaking up with someone. And I don't think I did this correctly, by the way, if you are breaking up with someone, don't do it over zoom. And if you do do it over zoom, uh, get zoom premium, uh, because I did <laughs> have to give her A link in the middle which is the most disrespectful thing you could possibly do i was so wrong and there was nothing worse than mid-tier being like one second one second i know i know this i'm gonna text you a link just take the link right and log back in you know
1: i think the text message Uh, equivalent of that is like you saying like, oh, I think we should uh, go our separate ways. And then the person responds with well, yeah. all these reasons why you shouldn't break up. And you respond, K.
2: Yeah, noted.
1: You know, like. <laughs> and then that's it. Or that's just it. like
2: the thumbs up emoji. Yeah, 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 Thumbs up emoji, nothing else is how to, <laughs> how to wear that breakup. Oh, boy. That's technology for you. I, I have a joke on stage to do about like, if you've ever had sex, but you don't have Spotify Premium. You know, like, in the middle, you just end up having sex with the J.G. Wentworth commercial. Like, it's a very similar situation there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's bad.
1: You want to do some comedy news
2: real quick? Yeah, let's do comedy news.
1: Comedy news. It's actually... A lot of interesting stuff that's not strike-related for once hey. in several months. Um,
2: we
1: did it? were out. Yeah. Well, half out. Yeah. 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 I, w- I wonder. I wonder if when the WGA strike ended and it's just SAG-AFTRA that a lot of the people on the picket lines there were like, "Oh, good, the Uggos are gone."
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a way sexier now. The average uh, number rating of the people at those lines just shot up. Right,
1: <laughs> as, as which is strongly correlates to the uh number of instances of just
2: instantaneous karaoke yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, I mean the talent the general talent level of the picket lines you're getting a Broadway play now every time you go out there without the writers there. I understand
1: that people want to keep morale up and spirit up, but I I bet there's going to be a spate of protests for something else in the not so distant future and whoever's leading that is like we're not going to do whatever those idiots did at the WGA SAG after
2: strike that we're here to demand justice (laughs) and did you ever hear hear the story of the Amazon strike in Queens? uh, I mean I've heard about it but what specifically? The specific thing was that like you know Amazon had tried to unionize in like a bunch of other places and then like like Montgomery, Alabama, and stuff like that. And it never really worked because all of the people that were running the strikes and stuff weren't like workers. Like it was like strike organizations that came in there. The Queens one though, was run by a bunch of people in Queens and they decided to set up their shop right next to the bus station where people, where the Amazon workers would come into. So they were the first point of contact before they would walk into the Amazon union things. And at one point, the Queens workers went down to like Alabama, and they were like, "Hey, things have been going really well for us, uh, you know, in New York. You know, you should, you want to talk to us? Do you want to like maybe we can like work and like see if I could, we can help you guys?" And the Alabama people were like, "No, like we got this on their own." And what happened? The Alabama, all these other states, they they voted down the union. The Queens union uh, ended up becoming the one that was the first unionized. Big point in New York pride. Yeah,
1: yeah, as it should be. Uh, for, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Amazon—they paid for
2: someone's Uber to the hospital. Like it was like stuff like that that got wow. us that, that
1: that got them unionized. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and that's where we're at with two-day shipping,
2: guys. Yeah. 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 At the same time, I refuse to pay less uh, for anything ever again. Oh, so. <laughs> no, good luck, at Amazon! Yeah.
1: I mean, I understand if you do, like need medication and stuff like that, but I I have really thought about it, and I just like don't need stuff in two days for the most part. Yeah,
2: I think that uh, now that we know the evils of it, and I know that right now there's legislation. I think the Daily just did a thing on it because uh, they're going to start getting rid of uh, the insane like a uh, chokehold that this is putting on vendors who like were not built for two days shipping all of a sudden have to figure out how to like you know the logistics mind this stuff is insane oh yeah absolutely
1: <laughs> they just gotta sell all their inventory to Amazon so they don't have to do it
2: yeah <laughs> yeah. it's actually pretty bad for them uh-
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah well so beyond beyond Amazon ruining the world uh, no matter how much money they give to charitable causes or whatever Bragazzi. Uh, uh is launching his own uh i guess they're calling it content company now not, rather than production content company called the nateland company which will be a family friendly um content channel uh for audiences of all ages with uh scripted tv film podcast music and more and if I'm i remember best. correctly Joe Zimmerman's special came out and I think it is
2: a product of Nateland. Is it okay, so question? Is it uh a production company? So he's selling this stuff to like Amazon and Netflix and stuff like I, that, or I, is he opening up his own channel?
1: Uh I think that it it sounds like it's gonna be its own channel. Uh okay. especially cause it's called
2: Nateland, you know? so is it okay so this makes i'm gonna be honest this makes sense and this is kind of where i think that the industry is heading where we've gone now to a point like you know who's comedy central isn't as big as they were like it just it is what it is like comics now Mm -hmm. have an ability to command audiences in a way that they've never been able to and i think that we're going to see a lot more like this pop up you know like Joe Rogan has that last podcast on the left, have a whole network of people, right. the, your mom's house crew. Like, so I definitely see the industry heading here where it's not just, do I have the hit podcast, it's do I have the hit podcast network?
1: I mean, even beyond that, look at Don't Tell. Don't Tell Totally. Comedy. I just had the CEO on uh, last week. Check this out. Oh, th- at the end of this year, they will have done 3,000 shows in 140 cities across the planet. Insane. And I've never been
2: to a bad one. Mm-hmm. I honestly, <laughs> I swear to God, I'd be mean that without any like book me joke aside. I've been to, I've done them in Omaha. I've done them in Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken. I've done them in New York. I've done them in Asheville. They, ha- I have yet to go to a bad one. Don't mm-hmm. tell is absolutely massive, and it's getting to a point where they have a bigger, not chokehold. But more name recognition than JFL, uh-huh. Comedy Central, you know, yeah. don't tell. And Dry Bar also, same exact thing. Those Dry Bar specials mm-hmm. appeal to such a massive effing crowd. Right, right.
1: And, be, oh, I mean, they are used as a credit now. Like, what well, you just named off of JFL totally. all of that. People who use Don't Tell as a credit.
2: Yeah, I, it's just, if you want to talk about also just like Apartment Fest, and the legitimacy of a credit and legitimacy of a thing, these were indie – not indie, but these were, like, small channels that just were, like, how do we – let's get stand-up up up there. And then it was, like, okay, now that our own stuff is up there, let's see other people. Let's expand to other cities Mm And now. And I I don't know how the don't tell guys do it, but, like, Mm -hmm. there's a Jewish phrase called kolokavod, which means all of the credit. Kolokavod Mm -hmm. to them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it's very, very strong branding, very strategic marketing and I mean they yeah they, there's they have this mystique that zeros in on people that it seems like they, they don't go to all the comedy shows. they're just like but they want so they don't they would feel like we're just going to a house show but if it's a don't tell yeah. branded house show. There's like safety in that, even though I would yeah. tell you to like just put it in. they all.
2: I, I I agree. Yeah, I super agree. I think that don't one thing that don't tell prop that can promise that I think a lot of other places can't is a full audience. Yeah, I, I once again I've yet to be at one that didn't have a sold out uh, room. Right. And it's and the uh,
1: testament to the pool that they have. So they don't because the lines are secret. You don't have to promote if you're on the show. If you're like totally. their franchisee ambassador, whatever you want to call it in whatever city it is, you also don't have to promote. They they take
2: care of all of it. Yeah. That's it's a, it's amazing. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. It's it's they've done such a good job. I yeah. it's baffling, and we're all jealous of them. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. I'm absolutely mean, furious with them. Yeah.
1: I mean, so do you see like, how would you see Apartment Fest scaling up if
2: that's something you wanted to do? Apartment Fest, okay, so this is a thing. Apartment Fest, I wanna turn into at most a monthly, and then once a year have it be the full festival weekend. Oh, cool. I, 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 I think that like, I don't want, I don't need it to be more than that. Like, it, this year's festival came back for two reasons. One, because I wanted to do it again. I've been looking for a reason to. And two, when it came to shooting my own special, I didn't want to just go set up a stage somewhere and just do a stage show. I wanted mm-hmm. it to turn it, I wanted it to be a more of a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. I wanted it like the the, the special I'm releasing mm-hmm. is gonna be like an hour and a half-ish, hour 45, and it's gonna yeah. be 45 minutes to an hour of my stand-up, and then you know, and all the extra content is about the production of this thing and how comedy has gone from outdoors during the pandemic back indoors and how this is a like capping off of that weird kind of cycle.
1: Right, so that's right, kind
2: of like what I want to do out of this one, and then the future, just continue to be able to do these shows. The space is cool. I mean, like, right, right. you know, like I, sh- yeah, I, I've absolutely. shown it in the pictures, uh, and being able to utilize the space and have control over the space, I don't have to work with another venue. Right. You know, I just work with myself here.
1: Right, and to my knowledge, that would put you with in the same breath as Maria Bamford and Nick Scardarasi. Those are the only other two specials I could think that have done in their house.
2: I would say I, 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 the specials that I love, aside from the ones that are just good content-wise, like Lil Ray Howard. Did you watch Lil Ray? Yeah. uh Wait, Howard? No. no Howard?
1: Lil, Lil Rel, right?
2: Lil Rel, sorry, Lil Rel. Lil Rel's uh, special happened in the gym. Mm-hmm. The gym as oh, it yeah, was getting darker. Uh, the
1: sunset, yeah.
2: Stuff like that. I mean, like I've seen you know obviously like specials are specials i'll watch every special but like there's an added element to some of these things that if you can make it look cool and if the content is as good as the comedy like that's that's the perfect special in my mind
1: yeah absolutely and there's at this point if you're just doing a bare stage with a curtain and a mic and a mic stand in a stool i mean you better have Generation defining comedy because uh, otherwise hey, you
2: Shane Gillis yeah <laughs> you know like straight up you know like you got to be like Dan Soder you got to be Chappelle you got to be you know people like that you got to be Gerard Carmichael Gerard Carmichael can get away with it because what they're saying is remarkable. Well, Gerard, I mean, so the look of his special is even unique. Yeah, eight was shot in the central stage. Yeah, uh, you know, in the circle, um, Dane Cook style. Uh, how old's Gerard's uh, boyfriend? No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> love is love. I'm not going to make any comment on. It, but like, sure. you know, like he did it. Hey, Gerard did it in the special. Uh-huh. Uh, eight sorry did it in the circle and stuff like that. I, I don't think I'd be ever ever able to do that because I. I would be self-conscious about my butt, to be right, completely honest. Right.
1: And then Ruth Daniel, it was on a stage, but like it felt cinematic in a way that other specials don't.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there was an added element. Comedy, I'll never knock a regular special. And regular special, it seems even weird to call it a regular special because of the amount of effort and the amount of like, mm-hmm. you know, person personal emotion within a special. Right. That, all that being said, if there's ever an opportunity to kind of like make it look different, to kind of like make it not that you're watching a special, but you're watching a fuller story where there's also a stand-up element, that is where I, I've always thought that, uh, you know, if I was to release a special, that was the only way that I'd be able to release one. Right. I
1: mean, uh, oh, what uh, what was the Jewish phrase that you said where it means all the credit? Kala Kavod. to Kavod to... Um... To uh, Dave Attell for roadwork, you know.
2: Yeah, totally, uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Ross, uh, you know when he is in grooming, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> but like all of those specials that took place in like the prison and then the for the police officers and stuff like that. Yeah, like these are specials that were more than just the comedy. It was the comedy, and then you had the context that was bringing in, you know, everything else. Right. Yeah, it's just,
1: like just you know, if you're thinking about it from the viewer perspective, you're gonna be staring at somebody on stage for an hour at least, and so there, your your mind's gonna wander a little bit. There's time to look at the, oh. all the details, and like there should be also a story in that if it is indeed <laughs> going to be a special.
2: I think also something where the the material that I'm that I'm doing for this special mm-hmm. is uh, you know my grandmother she passed away in the beginning of the pandemic in like April 2020 mm-hmm. and uh, I wrote a dark comedy article for the New York Times about you know what had happened mm-hmm. and this spe- this special the comedy that I'm recording is that story right. so it it also felt like it needed to have because I was doing such a personal thing and such like, a, you know, it, I was, I, I don't think that there could be more, I don't think that I could do material that's closer to the heart than the material that I'm doing at this thing. And it would feel just because of the production background and because of like all of the improv and sketch and production stuff that I've been doing, mm-hmm. it would have felt like I was not doing it 100% like what I felt this should have been done unless I was putting that extra effort in to see if there was a way I can make it feel different right right
1: and i i that i can't wait for you to to do it and see what it looks like as a special i bet
2: it'll look magical man i mean it won't but no i'm joking it's gonna be it's gonna uh it's gonna be uh, you know i I gotta give a big shout out to like britney starna who's uh the one of the like She's a camera person who's helping with all the logistics of how the thing is going to look. Right. Adam Gold is uh, the pro- is the producer co producer of the festival, helping, you know, yeah. just to make it all happen. Yeah, so, and I Adam think that does a really some of the team.
1: the coolest weirdest shows in New York.
2: Uh, you know, he works a lot with Steph Dag. Steph yeah. Dagg is going to be headlining uh, the show and everything. And, and it was funny when I originally put out the call to try to get a producer to. On to this thing, uh, when Adam messaged back, it was an immediate like, oh, yeah, Adam. Like, it, it was like, <laughs> yeah. a, it made complete sense, you know, when he had met, uh, messaged and it's been a very good uh, working partnership thus far. Hell yeah. Glad you have a team, man.
1: Right? <laughs> That's
2: what you, you need you, to do. You gotta. you gotta. You gotta. It's also like, I know day of I'm going to need hands and stuff like that. And I think the big difference between the first time and the second time I'm doing it is that now that I know that there needs to be like a support system in place.
1: Uh, I remember I'm able to install Do you remember Riot LA at
2: all? Riot LA, yeah,
1: yeah. So that was a great festival that I think had three or four years run. And Abby Launder, who now works at Netflix, uh, she started it all on her own pretty much, and then built it. I mean, it was a, it was like legit, be like full on, like IFC was a major sponsor and like that sort of thing. Uh, two day festival in downtown LA. And I remember seeing her just like go in between venues during the fest and uh, she was exhausted. And then I think at one point her like assistant was like, Okay, this is your scheduled time where you get to sleep for 10 minutes. So do you want to do yeah. that
2: now? <laughs> i like, what? What? God <laughs> I cannot wait yeah. to have that ability. I that's I will say the best thing about doing the show in the apartment. I don't have to work with venues. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine all the people that run festivals that have to be using other people's spaces, which is every other festival. Yeah, uh, I that's the most complicated element, and that's mm-hmm. the stuff that gave me the panic attack.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, The amount of whether it's permits or they just don't want stuff broken or like yeah, you know, uh, deposits and all this sort of thing.
2: I day of problems with the venue. What if if a what if, like if I if the toilet gets clogged here I can unclog the toilet if the toilet if the toilet clogs in a venue they can just shut down the venue for a day just you know and be like oh the plumber's coming tomorrow so like all stuff like that you know
1: yeah 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 just a heads up on anybody wanting to do a festival
2: okay uh, nobody poop time. in my apartment
1: yeah <laughs>
2: no number no deuces no deuces in the apartment that's the only <laughs> festival <laughs> rule. A-
1: yeah, that's cool. I'm sure there's like a Starbucks across the street or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah. I'll, I'll they, you they a, have a to let you in now. They can't yeah. turn you away. Yeah, good luck,
2: honestly. <laughs> <laughs> that is, a, I, <laughs> I
1: think that is the thing that LA kind of has over New York. We we don't like like scavenge for places to go to the bathroom out here.
2: Yeah, that was a big issue when the uh, when the pandemic happened. All of a sudden, you did not pee anywhere. And uh, <laughs> I think now we're getting to the other side of that, but it still is like pretty rough.
1: Yeah. Uh. Next time of news, we um. So for for what is a good move slash, slash uh, move of where the industry might be heading? I don't know. I don't know about this. So Paramount, as this seems like a bunch of old people, are like, oh, what's that TikTok thing? They put uh <laughs> all the full running time of Mean Girls. The a similar comedy classic that launched the careers of Lindsay Lohan and Rachel McAdams and uh, Amanda Seyfried, uh on TikTok in 23 different parts uh, because it is Mean Girls Day. October 3rd.
2: Yeah. Which is when she asked uh, what day it is and he said October 3rd. Yeah. So I'm running it a, a chord right now. Yeah.
1: It's, uh, I can't imagine i mean some people might do it as a gag to watch the whole thing in that many parts but that's that that can't be like the way that we're gonna watch media
2: i is it not a tie-in so i I actually saw the story earlier today is it not a tie-in to the fact that they're doing like a a musical or yeah they're doing a musical
1: but like what a half-assed like
2: promotion you know I wonder if more and more companies are going to start doing that stuff. And I I will say that there's a little bit of precedent. A couple of weeks ago, I watched all of Super Mario movie on someone's illegal stream. People are going into movies and just like streaming the movies. I watched all of Era's tour. I've seen – I think I've at this point seen almost all of Era's tour in 30-minute chunks on people's Instagram – on people's TikTok lives – Right. Uh, since it came out there, so this is like they are kind of like getting to a point where this is a thing that they're not going to be able to avoid. Right. And they're going to need to start doing it themselves.
1: That that and I would say in contrast is like a overall big takeaway. So Barbenheimer together at this point, Barbie already surpassed a billion dollars globally, and Oppenheimer is also about to do that. And um, that's all from fucking people going to the movie theater and watching both movies. So yeah, that it there was something like compelling in the the pre- presentation of those movies. They're like, I want to go see that in the theater. This is going to be an event. I want it like like I'm not going to wait for this to go on Disney Plus or
2: Apple TV Plus. I want to I want to go and make it a thing. I mean, live performance in general and just live stuff in general picked up after the pandemic. Um, if I am a movie like company Mm -hmm. especially out of the writer's strike and you know like there's going to be the financial level ever going to are going to shift in some capacity i think this is a move about taking back ownership of the products that you own and i truly wonder when we are going to get to a situation where there is a fully released a movie with a big star, big cast, big budget on TikTok in 23 separate pieces. And I don't think we are very far away from that. I think we're going to see a lot of back catalogs go up. We're going to be able to see cats. You know, we're going to be able to see all that stuff. And then eventually we're going to move into original releases. Right, right. Yeah. And then what if TikTok studio opens up? I can see TikTok, you know, starting to fund projects. They've already done that. Yeah. You know, what if they become a Netflix?
1: Interesting, I don't know that people, people have gotten TikTok for free so long. I don't know that
2: like tier pricing, that's a dicey game. Hear me out. If I am TikTok and I know that I can sell X amount of dollars mm-hmm. on a movie that I release to TikTok specifically, right. and they, their format can do it. They can set up an individual mm-hmm. account that is just this one movie and then you can watch the entire thing there. Put the mid rolls in there, all those ad breaks. I can see TikTok making something original and then you know figuring out later if it if the metrics make sense. Maybe.
1: Well, they have the they have like the brand recognition, which is so like Quibi essentially was going to do that. And uh yeah. well, we all know what happened to them. Success. Wait, success is defined as
2: losing a billion dollars. <laughs> No, success is defined uh, as having Jeffrey Katzenberg give you a billion dollars. That is what. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I remember when Quibi was coming out, every single general meeting, meeting with my managers, meeting with anyone, uh, they would bring up Quibi. And I would be like, good, what is this? And they would be, Jeffrey Katzenberg gave a billion dollars to make this app. And I would be like, great. So, like, what kind of stuff? And they'd be like, the kind of stuff is – Jeffrey Katzenberg gave a billion dollars to this app and I'm like, "Good. Horror, comedy, drama?" Yeah, what you should give us is the fact that Jeffrey Katzenberg gave us a billion dollars <laughs> to make this app. No one had any answers to any of this shit. It yeah. was the funniest fucking thing. Going in, it was network people and producers get get being so excited about this thing and then the second you would ask a single question, it would deteriorate immediately. And then they released the app and you watched everything on the app in two hours and never de- came back to it again. It you is know. the funniest effing, when I think of the media, when I think of the entertainment industry in general, Twimpy yeah. is it in a nutshell. Yeah, it is. Yeah, You could is. never get a specific ask. It was always, had to forgive a billion dollars. What the fuck do you want from us? Just give us content. No, I'm going to circle back to give you answers, so just uh, check in later. Yeah, 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 I want to see your next stuff. Uh, the next <laughs> pitches you have are the ones that Jeffrey Katzenberg's billion dollars will fund. <laughs> oh boy, God, yeah. I like how they've admitted in, in since that they've admitted that it was dumb. Yeah, like they've been open about how it failed, and I do appreciate them being open about that stuff.
1: Right. But, well, you know, the maybe maybe this is what will happen on TikTok. There will be, uh, you know, tiered, subscribed access only. Documentary about how Quibi and uh oh, what was the the comedy? CISO and like other ventures like that. And Vine all
2: all went south. Mine was you know what's funny? I was in so I used to be like a journalist. I used to, you know, I've worked in like internet stuff for like a, a while. And each one of those companies that you just listed had such unique explosions Mm -hmm. like vine exploded because winter bought them and they didn't give them an infrastructure right Piso exploded because they poured money into it before people under before anyone had roku yeah like you couldn't access it really because like no one was there right and then like quibi was the whole like it's interesting how these media companies have very like similar ish but completely different reasons why they fail
1: yeah yeah and then who knows what any tech success was also it, it seems so strange uh i mean hindsight's always 2020 and you can yeah. dissect why but like to think of how tiktok has taken over i mean it's it's in my mind just a carbon copy of vine but it's obviously it's, evolved
2: now vine could have been tiktok yeah it, they could have i think that they uh, once again twitter fumbled it the yeah. whole issue was that when vine Got picked up by Twitter. They the reason why people were on Vine was because of the creator space. It was like people wanted to see Logan Paul, they wanted to see King Bach, they wanted to see people, and uh, Vine kept on be kept on promising to monetize the videos. They kept on promising more eyes. They kept on promising more effort, and that never solidified into anything. And because of that. All their creators moved off to other apps, especially. And the more they moved off to other apps, the more Vine's infrastructure kind of collapsed because they weren't unique at all at that point. Mm-hmm. There's a whole, uh, yeah, yeah, no, we all saw it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I guess bringing it full circle, how like, how would you uh, imagine that there's longevity in Apartment Fest? How do you keep
2: it unique? Yeah. How do you keep it special? Um. First of all. Uh, me and i' say that in uh everyone like you if you're running a thing you got to make it as unique to you like i think that like the way that any of these things succeed is that you have to differentiate and the way that you differentiate is the person that is running it you know in some capacity so i think that like I, as i continue to do this thing finding out and figuring out more uh unique things to do with apartment fest um mm-hmm. is kind of like the the goal to to success i don't know what those things are going to be you know uh but i do know that like uh i'm pretty good at finding at at following the shiny dot if that makes sense
1: right 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 yeah
2: but there is like yeah i only
1: ask i mean you know this is uh, you're like a microcosm of this perhaps but like coachella used to be cool and yeah, now now it's
2: not i would love for people to start um Coming to my festival and people being like, ah, oh, man, apartment fest used to be so indie, so mainstream now, <laughs> man. You know, I want uh, Demi Lovato to appropriate uh, Native American culture in this apartment, also like Coachella. Uh, that's the next thing with it. Uh, no, and let me say this, but if anyone tries appropriating anything in my apartment, you're out. <laughs> you hear that, Demi Lovato? It ain't flying uh-huh. here. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That's really how it is. Like, I think for anyone out there who's running a show and you know is doing stuff, like, you just whatever you think is funny, you, like, you know, make it unique to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And truly, I mean, like, I think as a corollary to that, um, no one has told your story. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's yeah. it is it's
2: a it's a thing. You yeah. get to tell. You get to frame it how you want to frame it.
1: Yeah. When be well, like in relation to when people th- th- think about, like, you know, what when to stand up, sketch, improv, pick your poison. Um, you know, oh, it, it feels like talking about dating or talking about um, getting on the train or Uber or whatever. It feels like it's dead or well trodden territory. But if you make it more personal to you, that's what people it re- it resonates with people.
2: It's it's why I, I, whenever I hear. It's like, you can do a dog joke, you can do a my in-laws joke, you can do a Trump impression or whatever. Right. You know, I know that those things are like frowned upon in comedy because those are like overused premises, but the times that I see at work is the times when it's not about the dog. It's about yeah. you interpreting the dog. It's not about Trump. It's about your interpretation of Trump. It's not about, you know, your in-laws. It's about how you specifically are taking in and, you know, shitting out uh, the comedy there. Right absolutely
1: um we're not gonna do the last news story because i want to get you out of here uh yeah. but who is it by the way what's it about
2: uh oh it's just vultures comedians you shouldn't will no list oh i saw Zach zimmerman guy uh, Zach zimmerman and brian bahi uh, i yeah. didn't look at the list yet but i saw they posted congratulations then
1: yeah absolutely uh you know hit, hit, uh, i have something to do with that list Hey, congratulations. Yeah. Wait, who I've... else, Scott? Do you mind if I ask? Who else sure, sure, sure. Uh here, let me pull up my official yeah. checklist that I <laughs> actually have to do because the main thing I do for it is outreach and then um mm-hmm. uh both to for voting and then comics. Andrea Jin, Asha Ward, August White, Brian Behe, Curtis Cook, Eddie Motica, Fumi Abe, Jordan Jensen, Jordan Temple, Katrina mm-hmm. Davis, Maggie Witter. Natalie Rotter, Leitman, and Charlie Barty. Uh, Nimesh Patel, uh, Opie, Baju, Rachel Kelly, Ralph Barbosa, Richard Perez, Rob Hayes, Sabrina Wu, Sophie Buttle, Sophie Zucker, Stavros, Alkias, Zach Zimmerman, and Zach Zucker.
2: That's a great list. I will say also what I love about that list is sometimes a lot of these lists will come out and you'll be like, wow, that's a comic who's already done everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Ian Lara. You yeah. know, but I remember when he did Just for Relapse, uh, New Faces, I was like, what are New Faces? You know, like, it's people <laughs> yeah, yeah. like that. Nothing against him. I He's absolutely yeah. hilarious. And he should, you know, it, but I like that list because those are all, most of those are people who I think are, I would consider more up and coming than established, right. established. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We had discussion at, like, Nemeshians and Stavros were like, this is the last year we could ever
2: have that. Those were the two. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Or else it seems, like, stupid. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, But like Jordan Jensen, Zach Zimmerman, Fumi, I love Fumi, yeah. uh, I, I think uh, up top there were a couple names also that were listed. Asha Ward was gonna do the festival, but she's gone yeah. uh, the day she's here.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's a very, we were very strategic about how we go about finding like, what the collective that is comedy thinks is coming up like next. Yeah. It's not just one well, person <laughs> saying it, yeah.
2: No, totally. It makes it makes complete sense, and I feel like those are all people also. Like whenever I, whenever I am auditioning at industry stuff, you know, those are names you see. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Go
1: check out uh, the full list and pretty anti-Semitic
2: from vulture that I wasn't considered fucking bullshit. No, (laughs) I mean Rachel Cali's on there. Come on. Oh yeah. Well fine you guys are jewish no. <laughs> and we have Rachel by hilarious. no we had robbie oh, hoffman geez. on
1: last year dating the bachelorette now i know oh and talk about robbie might say anti-semitic more than you
2: <laughs> i last time i saw robbie we were both performing for a room of orthodox jews in a kosher pizza store in borough park so <laughs> i get it yeah absolutely <laughs> uh well thank you so
1: much for joining me Aton. um where can people find you online and is there anything that you else you'd like to promote
2: yeah uh tiktok and instagram uh the jewish Antisemitic is all up there um and just other tiktok stuff i do uh apartment fest october 19th to 22nd in new york city uh in my apartment uh go tickets are on eventbrite and uh you know on my instagram uh and stuff and aside from that uh i'm on amazon every day 2 to 4 p.m uh doing game breakers uh, so check that out uh what is it what is uh, game breakers for those who don't know? game break I'm on uh, Amazon Prime Sports every day, 2 to 4 p.m. Uh, talking about all sports. It's a sports comedy show uh, that we do. Uh, we had Gary Vaynerchuk on uh, a couple oh. weeks ago, which is kind of nice. Cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sweet. We've had a lot of big sports. If you're an F1 person, we've had a lot of big F1 people on the show.
1: Really? Interesting. Yeah. Would Oscar you, Piastri. Uh, do we, would you ever do cycling? I got into, I got into watching God. cycling this, this year. <laughs>
2: Let me tell you right now, cycling underratedly dangerous. Uh, oh, it, so Peloton, dangerous! Yeah, no Tour one ever talks about how dangerous the cycling is. Tour de France
1: starts with 180 riders, about 143 finish.
2: Yeah, that makes it. Please, that's also I. It's like soccer, and that it's the most like draining thing you could possibly do. <laughs> <you> <laughs> yeah, sport wise,
1: right. Yeah, So something with cycling, they they're like, oh, you're on a bike, so we're gonna push you past your physical limit.
2: Dude, because you're on a bike. It's, it's the tush push. It's the NFL, you know, they do that thing where they push the quarterback through into into hell, you know. Yeah, so uh, absolutely. Uh, I'm Jake Kruger,
1: I create the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at the at the Comedy Bureau on socials. You can find me on Instagram at not the supermarket, on Twitter at mitch Kruger. So many great causes to support this time ask that you please support those. But if you have money and generosity left over, please support the comedy viewer to keep it running longer than 13 years, which is what it's at now. Uh, do you have anything to say as we sign off here, Eitan?
2: Believe in yourself. No, I, uh, <laughs> in the beginning of the festival, uh-huh. you know, in the beginning of the episode we're talking about, if you're submitting a festival, fucking don't make your a video shitty. Right. I think, like, you can control the content. You can also control how your video and audio looks. Right, idiots! I, 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 yeah,
1: don't don't. If you think you will sneak one by a booker because they don't know that it's an open mic,
2: your clip is from. They'll know. We know. I I could identify what day some of those open mics were. So, (laughs) yes,
1: absolutely, (laughs) man. Uh, well, live comedy is happening, especially in people's apartments. Like Aton's, it's probably gonna be cooler than New York Comedy Fest. Shots fired. (laughs)
2: I used to work for them. I used to work for uh, New York Comedy Fest. Just, it's they weird. Sta- they stamp their logo yeah. on things that are already happening. Yeah. I, I will say also the first year without Caroline's being there. So yeah, I'm weird. curious how they're planning on uh, doing that stuff. Uh, I used to first, one of the first jobs I had uh, in New York was I was working for the Comedy Fest as their uh, social media coordinator. So right. I had nothing but love for the fest, but <laughs> hopefully, a parent fest will be better.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, well, as the great Bruce Stevens would say enjoy it the comedy bureau field report is recorded produced and edited by jake kroger music by brian granillo artwork by andrew delman and kt and part of the believe podcast family